Hi, Honeymooners. Natasha and I are coming to a city near you. And we'd love you to come see us and support us doing live stand-up comedy. As for me, I'm going to be going to the Comedy Club on State in Madison this very weekend for five shows. I love that club. I'd love to see you there. I'll also be at the Troubadour for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on May the 12th. That's just one night, one show, just me. But Natasha and I are going to be doing a live Endless Honeymoon podcast taping for the Netflix is a Joke Festival on the 4th of May. Then I'm going to the Punchline in Philadelphia. That's in July. Would love to see you there. I'm going to be going to the Punchline in Sacramento in August. And I'll be going to the D.C. Improv uh, the weekend before the election, before we figure out what hell we hath wrought. Come see me at any of those dates. Oh, yeah, one more. I'll be at the Bell House in New York on July the 11th. I'd love to see you there, New York City. Natasha, you got anything? Why don't you come see me in Brea? If you live in Orange County, I think that's Orange County. I don't even know, but come to Brea. I'll be there in April. I'll also be at the Chicago Improv in April. And if you can't see me in Chicago, why don't you come to Tempe in May? Tempe, Arizona. I'll also be in Boston, but that's not till October. I think I might take the summer off. Go to NatashaLegero.com. Or MosheCasher.com. And get some tickets. To see the both of us. And also make sure that you come to our Patreon-supported Dinner party this Sunday. That is on St. Patrick's Day. What else are you doing? It is a dumb holiday. I'm sorry. If you are not yet a member of the tier that gets you into the dinner parties, go ahead and upgrade. Upgrade that. You could downgrade afterwards. I mean, we don't have real rules. Order your corned beef and cabbage from the local pub. DoorDash that shit to your house. Yep. Log on. 6 p.m. Come mess with us. It's a really great way. To connect to the community of the Endless Honeymoon Podcast and also to connect to your lovely hosts. Folks, it's your Monday ritual. It's the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. My name is Adele Dazim. <laughs> and I'm Natasha Legero. I'm pissed off, Natasha. Why? Well, the Oscars just ended. Mm-hmm. Oscar's so white, also Oscar's so wrong, they gave the best picture to Parasite. What's wrong with that? I wanted Ford versus Ferrari. (laughs) Now that's a movie. (laughs) I wanted Ford versus Ferrari. That wasn't even in the running. It was too. I didn't. Really? I didn't see it. Oh. But it just felt right. I hear you. We're not a a topical podcast. No, but I thought it'd be a fun thing for me to say it in that accent. I wanted Ford versus Ferrari. Maybe it wasn't. I feel like we're missing on a lot of signals, Natasha. We don't even have a fight of the week because we barely saw each other this week. Natasha, we were like ships passing in the night. But going to the same place. Right. We both spent some time in New York. I had a cold coming on that I was out running. I went to I went to uh, Washington D.C. at the Improv. Some people, some honeymooners showed up. They barked out their support. I, Thursday night uh, of the show, no, it was Friday night. A big group of children of deaf adults, CODAs, they're called, showed up. A big group. Friday night, big group of deaf people showed up. Wow. Guess who was more obnoxious and loud? The deaf people. No, they were very quiet and polite. The CODAs, on the other hand. Oh, they're they're pretty loud. I said, I have deaf parents <laughs> on stage, and they started screaming in deaf in fake deaf voice. <laughs> they're like, we are here! We are here! I was like, uh-uh. Even though they they don't have, they don't speak like that. It's a weird part of that particular subculture. If you're a child of a deaf adult, well, that's why you're able to do it on stage. 
Well, I do it. I did it. I did a. I did an impression of a deaf person at a birthday party last night. <laughs> not go over. Did not go well. <laughs> you just got to commit. Your problem is that every time you do that bit, you hold back five percent, and the audience can smell it. Because I feel bad because I'm making fun of your mom. She wouldn't care. I guarantee I know. it. And I know. she wouldn't hear it. <laughs> but she definitely wouldn't care. But. Um, they were they were very sweet. I'm just teasing them, but they definitely did scream out in deaf voice. That's a thing that they do when they get into a, like they have like an annual convention. Called You're the, a coda. I am a coda. They call me coda. Did you used to hang out with them more? Uh, well, when I was a sign language interpreter, uh, we'd go to this like annual sign language interpreter uh, work conference, and there was like the coda dinner, and that's when I found out I didn't know. I s- straight up didn't know till I went to the coda dinner that some codas when they get together and they feel comfortable with their people will start to impersonate deaf their deaf parents. It's it's a wild it's a wild ride. Wow. I was at like a I was at a Buca de Beppo with like a hundred codas and I thought we were just gonna I don't know what talk about ex coda excellence or whatever. But don't like, you think you're able to do the deaf voice because on stage because you're a coda? Yeah, I have the right to do it, but I don't I do don't it. have the right to do it though. Well, you're a comedian. You can do whatever you want, really. Right. Comedy has no consequences. If, if we've learned anything in the last five years of stand-up comedy, it's that comedians can say anything without reprisal. <laughs> Have we not learned that? <laughs> so I was in D.C. I did these five shows. It was awesome. It was really good. People love your new album. Yeah, people are really feeling the new album. If you I'm getting complimented on your album. Is that right? <laughs> if you haven't picked up the new album, by the way, and you're a listener of this podcast, what are you even doing? We're giving you this podcast for free. Just go get my album. This thing's free? Yeah. You download pod. Yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> you download podcasts for free. Yeah, you got to suffer through some ad reads, but I think we do a pretty damn good job. By the way, I put a clip of last week's episode up, Mm -hmm. the guy that likes to sniff panties, Mm -hmm. and somebody in the comments section goes, so what, you just post content of freaks? Maybe you could post something helpful, too. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if calling this panty sniffer a freak is particularly helpful either. (laughs) Anyway, then I got to New York City. Yes. Because I was going to go do some press for my album, Mm -hmm. and and then I just got sick. And New York, I got to tell you, is a bad place to be sick, because you're like sleeping in this like little little dinky hotel room and you can hear the sounds of the city outside and i was like lonely and ordering like slices of pizza and like chicken soup to my room well you did get a 59 nine dollar hotel room why do you have to tell people that because <laughs> i feel like your experience was way worse than it had to be because you like were in a closet listen i l- was looked on hotel tonight and the prices were they were screamingly low and it's like, what am I going to do? Get a high roller room? It's like, when I'm not with you, I, I'm not getting a luxe hotel. But I'm like, $59? I thought it was going to be a straight up uh, Salvation Army piss in the sink type situation. It was pretty nice. But then yeah. I got sick. Yeah. Anyway, I'm how was your trip to New York? My trip was fun. No, actually, I don't know. I feel like New York is just, I was in Battery Park. How was your flight out? Oh, my flight. Well, Talk um, about that hot flight. <laughs> No, I was sitting in front of this woman who was just reprimanding her child, like really like humiliating the toddler in it like a New Jersey accent. And how did it go? I don't want to do an impression Why? of her. Because <laughs> I'm not. All right, let me see if I can do it. What was his name? Colin. Colin, you spilled my whole bottle of wine. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. You never act like this. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. This is in business class because someone that had was flown in first? me out there. Yeah. 
and the kid Colin was in first he and he was like i do i, I did not do it on purpose oh and she's like apologize to the waitress she called her a waitress yes <laughs> apologize <laughs> i do not want to it was it was really and so then perhaps first class has become too accessible perhaps air travel has become too accessible well i just it made me more sad like how people yell at their kids cuz that that kid was probably doing something that my kid would do. Well, I went to a kid's birthday party today, and they had um, little uh, breakfast tacos. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew you were coming home from New York, so I I very subtly grabbed two of them and put them in like a cup and put the cup in my jacket that was hanging up. And then I was like, the party was wrapping up, and I was like, okay, well, this was such a great party. Thank you very much. Goodbye, everybody. And I went and I grabbed my jacket, and immediately both of them rolled out. <laughs> Bright silver aluminum foil <laughs> rolled out towards the you party You should have just people. asked them if you could take a taco from your wife. I just dove to the floor, covered them again. It was like I started <laughs> running out of the party. It was very embarrassing. Really? Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? You ran out of the party in embarrassment. I mean, I might be adding a little bit of zhuzh okay. for dramatic effect. <laughs> well, um, I'm sorry I missed you in New York. I'm and sorry we haven't been around each other to fight. We got home. I When I got home from New York, because we had two days in L.A., uh, all I wanted while I was in that hotel room suffering and sweating into the pillow was my wife and child. And I get home and Natasha's like, I think I'm going to sleep in the baby's room. Because you seemed very sick. Well, whatever. You landed like, I was like, does he have coronavirus? That corona. You seemed very... That was the first thing you said to me. Flu-like. You said, you got that corona? <laughs> but you seemed like something was wrong with you. Well, something was. And now I'm better. I'm and now I'm ready. Uh, and now I'm ready to make some dang calls. Okay, let's take some calls. Okay, let's go ahead and call Angela in Cincinnati. Hello? Angela. Hi, Angela. It's Tony Danza. (laughs) No, it's not. It's Moshe and Natasha. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Oh, we're great. How's Cincinnati this time of year? So it's miserable, which is why I just spent the weekend with my friends in Miami Beach. That sounds way better than Cincinnati. What uh, it is? What had you call in the podcast today? Yeah, so I am not calling about my own love life. I think I actually have a pretty thriving love life right now, which has been great. Wait, are you calling on behalf um, of a friend? <laughs> no. I thought I that'd am, be funny I, though if you were like calling for one of your like deadbeat can't find love lonely heart friends you're like my love life though is actually nailing it i just got railed in a hotel room on miami beach there was coke everywhere i mean i'm doing fucking great but my yeah, lo- I just wanted to brag. but diane on the other hand so what's up so i'm calling about my dad because his love life is proving to be incredibly problematic for our family. Oh, I love that. Um, and there's, there's like some history and context here that I don't want to bury the lead. My dad is 65 years old and he is dating a 26 year old Filipino woman that he met on an app that I don't even know if it's legal. And he is bringing her to this country on a green card um, within the next three months. So what's the part that's been problematic? It sounds like he's fucking nailing it right now. <laughs> so there's a couple things that are problematic with it. 
how, how long I has it been since he's been divorced from your mom and someone else? And how intrusive is the TLC film sh- uh, crew? Is that difficult for you guys? <laughs> 90 really so it's so this is a ninety-day fiance thing. No, so he has been seeing her for like a year now. He's been divorced from my mom for three years now. Um, and yeah, they've been together for almost a full year. Have you met her? No, no, I've not. But he, he's only, has she ever been to America? She has not. No, she's only ever lived in the Philippines. And would you say this is true love? No, no. <laughs> Wait, how many times has your dad visited her? He goes to visit her probably about once every three months. And wait, so I, he spent like eight times over there or something. Yeah, and, and he's been there a lot. Does he buy? Does she have a very specific list of things he has to buy for her? Like, I know, like uh, when you go visit a fiance, like in Brazil, you have to bring her like um, a lot of Disney plus Disney dolls and stuff like that. Like, does she have specific things that she wants? Yeah, I mean, like he the first couple times that he went there. I was helping him file some of his receipts from his trip because he's a very unorganized person. And I was like, who the hell did you buy a mattress for? And he was like, oh, my new girlfriend, she was living in an apartment without a mattress. And I was like, this sounds shady, dad. Like, it sounds kind of like she's using you for your money. And he's just so insistent that she's in love with him. I have another question. Um, Is your dad hot? (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) All right, here's, here's a real question. Is she trying to get married? So she's been like actively trying to marry him since three months after the oh first time boy. he was there. I'm, okay, so <laughs> uh, you got any other juicy details for us? Like, what, <laughs> what, what what's the biggest? I mean, obviously this is awesome, but what, what like what are some of the things that have come up that are causing what's causing specific tension in your family? What do you what is your worry? So a couple of things. This is like exactly how he cheated on my mom. So my parents got divorced because when they you, got cheated on her. Wait, when you say exactly how he cheated on your mom, he went onto a semi-legal app, found a bride in the Philippines, bought her a mattress, and this and uh, tried to move her to the states. Or what do you mean? Yeah. So he was seeing someone in the Philippines. He was going on all of these trips over to the Philippines. Nobody knew why. When I was like 15, we were on a family trip that my mom didn't come on because I already had a pretty strange marriage. And I found out through his phone because he we only brought his phone on the trip with us because he didn't want my brother and I to be like texting and on social media. Yeah, taking and, pictures, any evidence to be left behind. Right, no evidence of the fun that was had. And I saw the messages between him and this woman named Grace and then kind of confronted him about it. He told me it was a woman that he had met on this app who lived over in the Philippines, yada, yada, yada. So this is so, his second his second one? Well, probably not his second. I think there have been a couple more in between. So but he's probably been like doing this even... Right, so he might have had a girl before the one that you caught him. And you... So if you hadn't caught him, he might still be with your mom. Taking trips to the Philippines, no? (laughs) I think they probably would have ended up getting a divorce anyway. uh, Is your dad worth a lot of money? Yeah, my dad makes a lot of money. Mm. So, like, do you feel like, does he have, like, a lot of savings? Um, Probably. Like, does he have a few million dollars that she can, like, try to get from him or something? Uh, we're not like touching millions, but like I wouldn't really know what my dad's exact net worth is because he keeps that very close to his chest. So, so let me—that's yeah—that's not all he keeps close to his chest. Now, let me ask you: What is your actual worry here? I mean, listen, it's uh, the, the story. It's not like a mystery. I mean, it's like very obvious what's going on. I mean, I don't think this like 
young 20 26 year old hard-bodied grace over in manila is just like ooh ooh for a 65 year old american divorcee i mean you know you already know the end of the story what is it that you're actually worried about so it's pretty much become a situation where I'm the only person in my family that still even talks to my dad. My brother found out about this. My brother's 24. I'm 22. My brother found out that my dad was seeing a 26-year-old woman because my dad told him and has, like, completely stopped communications with him, completely cut ties. Um, my dad has started telling some of his friends from work, some of his close friends from, like, college, some of his family members. Nobody is talking to him. He finally told my mom. My mom isn't talking to him. And my dad is 65. He is not in great health. His health condition hasn't been good for a while. And it's something that he told me that really upset me. And I feel like I would have the same reaction as everyone else. But with all these other factors included, like him feeling alone, me not knowing how much time we actually have left in our father-daughter relationship, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like I kind of have to accept it. I mean, uh, the real the real question I have is, like, what is your dad thinking? Like, does he think it's love? Like, is he like, I've never been so in love? Like, what is his his psychology, do you think? I think he's just lonely. Right. Like, I, I, I So, like, if she makes him happy, I don't know. Well, I mean, he's not just he's not just lonely. Hmm. Angela. There's another word as well. <laughs> He's he's incredibly horny, Angela. He's incredibly horny for a hot 26-year-old Manila Manila envelope that he can stick himself into. Oh my god, I love thinking about that. I'm sure you do, which is why I brought it up. I thought you would want to and and that's the kind of tough love that we bring to the table here on the Endless Honeymoon podcast. I mean, I mean that's very challenging because it's like your dad's in love, he's funding it, he has the money to do it. He's not really putting you out. You know, unless you have some inheritance that you think that you're going to lose or something that you that Which, you Which, let's need. be honest, you probably are. I mean, you probably <laughs> are. Honestly, and uh, I'm being si- serious. Like, if there's if there's money, I would start to to write the m- money a goodbye letter. Like, my mother, she's not fucking a guy in the Philippines, but she has, like, uh, you know, ho- hoarding, um, you know, sh- online shopping, compulsive online shopping. And, like, mm-hmm. I have made peace with the fact that... When she dies, I mean, I don't care about an inheritance, but I've just like I I know in my mind that when she dies, she will have found a way to spend every cent that she has. And that is that whatever, you know, it's not going to go to my daughter's college fund. It's going to be it's going to go to like an as seen on TV collection. Right. And so it's like, so that's the the, at a certain point and you're 22 now. And this is the I feel like this is the age when you start to get this, uh, you know, at 22 to 30, you start to realize like, oh, a my parents are as fucked up and flawed human beings as I am. Uh, I I always thought I was fucked up because I was young and out of control. And then you go, oh, no, you just like you're as fucked up as as anybody else. You just happen to be my parent. And so then at a certain point, you have to say to yourself, Okay, this is the parent that I have, and it sounds like you're you're re- you've kind of come to that understanding. It's like nobody else finds what he's doing acceptable. They find it so unacceptable they don't want to interact with him anymore. And you're saying, well, this is the only dad that I have, and I kind of think like I'm on your side on that. But here's the thing: is he in danger from what? I don't know. No. Being taken advantage of, no, and then like. You can't be taken advantage of. <laughs> what if she takes all his money and then he can't? F- he doesn't have money for another girl. That's friend. the dish he ordered. 
I mean, you can't be taken advantage of when you willingly, you know, go on to an app. I mean, you have to be engaged in a, in a profound psychological cognitive dissonance to think that a young woman who uh, is in is in a, an underdeveloped or uh, in country uh, who probably doesn't come from a great wealth. I'm just guessing here. I know there are rich right. people in the Philippines, but I'm going to assume she's not one of them. You have to be engaged in some profound psychological you know, dissonance to think, oh, wow, she really likes me special, and to not n- notice the... He doesn't op- care, though. He's he lonely. He doesn't care. So, you, But on some level, he knows like this isn't what love actually is. He's had regular love with your mother. That's what... What? Maybe they hated each other. Maybe he loves I'm this woman more. I'm just saying that's what lo- love amongst equals is. He knows he doesn't have that, or or he's playing a profound psychological trick on himself. So here's Why you're saying equals as that you, when you're when you are 26 years old living in a, you know a developing country and a and a rich 65 year old from America <laughs> swoops in. I wouldn't say that the power dynamics are exactly equal. So. She's got who wants to buy, who wants to marry him. Yeah, so I mean, here's my feeling. I kind of am on your side on this. I, well, and and only in that I'm on your side because it sounds like what you want is to is to maintain your relationship with him. It would be a normal and okay reaction. What your brother's reaction was? That's a normal and okay reaction to say. This is too fucked up. This is too sick. This relationship with my dad isn't worth it. But you've had a different reaction, which is that. Uh, you want a relationship with your dad, and it's my thoughts here are: it's not your jo- job to save your dad. He's he's his own man, and he's making his own destiny. It's just your job to love him if you find that love fulfilling enough to accept him for who he is. So I wouldn't say that means you don't need to tell him that you're profoundly uncomfortable and grossed out. You don't need to go to the wedding, but you just have to tell him how you feel and accept that that's the dad you have. That's what I think. And. I feel like him and I have had really great conversations on that already just because I am trying to be super accepting and supportive of him because I recognize that like at a certain point when your kids are old enough, your life stops being about your kids and it becomes about you. Yeah. But my, my family's reaction to me supporting him has added this layer of complexity to it. Like the first time I told my mom that I was like, well, he's my dad. What do you want me to do? She was like, have fun with your 26 year old stepmom and hung up the phone. And like, my dad doesn't expect me to call her stepmom. Like he's being, I mean, if he's not being rational about the situation, cause he's shipping over like a child bride, it feels like, but like, he is approaching it with a certain air of respect around how my brother and I are going to feel about it. I think, um, I think you should maybe think about going to a therapist just to like help you talk about the best. Cause you seem so smart. I think you just need to like, have the right wording with your mom. Like uh, your mom and you are probably cool enough that if you said, listen, I don't like when you talk to me like that. And you know, he's my dad and I love you. And you know, if you were just like a little more strict with her, maybe she wouldn't say things like that to you. But do you find yourself, it sounds like you find yourself trying to defend him and what he's doing is somewhat indefensible, which puts you in a particularly difficult position. That's a great summary. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's not your job either. Your job is not to defend your father. Your job is not to save your father. Your job is to 
maintain a relationship with your father if you, that's what you've decided to do and to love him for who he is. So you're not responsible for defending him. He can defend himself. And, and he probably can't defend himself because what he's doing is fucking ab- objectively gross and weird, but you still love him, which is an okay thing. Like, you know, Natasha's got things about her that are obviously objectively unacceptable, gross, disgusting, weird, criminal <laughs> in many states, but I've just decided to love her through those things. Also, I'm thinking, though, here, it's not your job to, like, obviously you've got, you know, in classic psychological parlance, uh, when I was growing up and I had my drug addiction stuff, I was what's called the identified patient. Do you know that idea? Mm -hmm. No, I don't. So there's a concept in family therapy that a family unit that is falling apart or that's having psychological problems is, uh, the, the whole unit is diseased, Right. And that what they do is they have an identified patient, which is the, the it's the person that they focus all of the attention on and say, this person is the cause of the problems in the family. Oh, yeah, we have one of those. You have one of those. I ha- I was one of those. I oh, was wow. an identified. I was the identified patient in my family group. So it allows everybody to ignore their own problems. They can all say like, well, dad's fucked up. He's in the Philippines. He's right now on the beach in Philippines, having a Mai Tai, sleeping with multiple 20 year olds. Right. Um, it, and, and, and none of us have buying the mattress, buying their buying, family mattress, buying a purple mattress, <laughs> a stuffed in purple mattress. By the way, this podcast brought to you by purple mattress. It's not, but it would be nice. It would be a nice kind of, uh, synchronicity. Um, so like your mom so you're saying, yeah, everyone's just blaming it on the dad and they're trying to get you to, to, to coddle to their resentment. I mean, being resentful, your mom hating your dad for marrying this, this w- woman in the Philippines, unbelievably understandable and i sympathize but it's also not your job to coddle to her resentment it's not your job to to mitigate your dad's weird predilection for underage filipinas and it's not your job to tell your mom like no no my dad's okay it's also not your job to deal with her anger for your dad like you you all the only responsibility you have here is for is to yourself just like your dad, his life has become about him, so has yours. You don't need to worry about any of this stuff. So your mom goes, have fun with your step, Filipina stepmom. I mean, it's like, that's not your job to deal with either. You don't need to deal with their disorders, your dad's disorders. You just need to deal with yourself and your relationship with your dad and whether you want to maintain it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's just, uh, I feel protective of my mom in the sense that, I know her feelings and resentment are not my responsibility and I don't have to succumb to those feelings, but what she went through when they were getting divorced and even like the initial time that she she found out my dad was cheating on him, like it wasn't him telling her. My dad told me, don't tell your mom. I'm never going to tell your mom. And I was 15 years old and I was like coming home from this vacation with my dad and brother and sat down face to face with her that night. And I was like, there's no way I can't not tell her. So I think in a lot of ways, she felt like I was the only person who had her side and had her back throughout that process. That's not normal for your parents to like, try to keep, have you keep things from each other. That's that, that, that feels like, like they violated some boundaries. Yeah. The compact, the contract between parent and child, in a healthy family is unconditional love, as cliche as that sounds, right? Mm-hmm. And conditional love is you have to side with me in this relationship or you don't love me, right? And that's bullshit. Even though your dad, like, by the way, it's so obvious your dad is the asshole here. I mean, no one's even <laughs> denying that. Not even you, right? Right. 
But your mom is saying, if you really loved me, then you you would also hate your dad at the exact same frequency as I do and cut ties exactly. with him. But that's exactly. not that's a condition on your mom's love for you. And that's just ignore that because that's just psychological noise. That's just her being unable to process her anger in a way that is reasonable. But which saying is, ignore that isn't that easy. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. That's fair. I, all this stuff is a lot easier for two comedians to say sitting in their living room in Los Angeles. <laughs> but 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 isn't is but being it, aware of it is a good step right it's like finding a way to diagnose the issue with the car is not it, it's a it, it, it's it, it still takes money and man hours to fix the car but the problem here is you've got a really fucked up situation in the family and but the secondary and probably more important problem for you is that you've not only been assigned the peacekeeper ambassador, you volunteered for the job and you don't want it. Yeah, I did. I, I volunteered for it back when I was like 12 and all these issues started cropping up, right? And it was exacerbated when I was 15 and had to take sides. And I feel like I've always been the mediator of the family. Like even just the way my brother and I approached the divorce, right? My brother didn't want, you know, his friends to know his parents were divorced. He didn't want the family to separate. And I think I was 13 when we first had this conversation and I looked at my parents and I was like, you shouldn't be together. <laughs> you guys are miserable. Like, let's sit down and talk about this. And I became almost like the proverbial therapist of the family. But that's also because situation. you clearly have like the capacity for that. And that is even, you know, kind of a talent. So, you know, I think it's good that you were able to help, you know, that's, that's what producers do. That's what, you know, people who navigate their lives in a successful way have to do, you know? So it's like, I think it's, it's good practice for life and just know that you're good at that and keep trying to keep the peace and keep trying to like have as much autonomy as you can from them because. I agree with everything Natasha said, except the idea that you should keep trying to keep the peace. I think like you've got all this information now you're, you're 22 years old. You're obviously pretty mature for 22, probably because you've been forced to be, but also because it's very clear to me that you volunteered for this position. It's a position that you cannot, you are not capable of maintaining. You cannot be the peacekeeper ambassador between your parents. They are at, they have come to a place of permanent and, and fatal, uh, brokenness in their relationship. And your dad does it louder than your mom. Your dad is the loud, obvious asshole in this situation. And your mom is de has decided that she hates him for very understandable reasons, but has also decided that you need to hate him with her. And you don't want to do that. But you also don't want to defend that which is indefensible, which is your dad's behavior. You're, so it's time for you to like take off the uniform and, you know, and, and say, I, I'm not doing this anymore. And much like an ambassador working in the Trump White House, it's time for you to be escorted out of the uh, of, of the machinations of government and say, I am now a private citizen. And your job as a private citizen is just to love your mother, to love your father, to to and to maintain your autonomy, like Natasha said, and just say from now on, I'm not getting involved in any of this. I just love you guys. I love you both. And I'm not ending my relationship with either of you. But I will not play the peacekeeper anymore. I am 22, and I am. T it's time for me to make my own destiny. That's what I think. I don't know if she should use the word destiny. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Tagalog word for destiny? Maybe you could use that. 
Well, no, I, I mean, you're spot on, right? It's just a matter of taking the steps to start doing that in a, in a weird, complicated situation. So I, I totally agree with you guys that that is like my end goal. I just need to figure out how to take the, the small steps to get there. Well, it's made more complicated by your belief that your job is to, is to negotiate this stuff. And, it, and it, I'm, as an objective observer sitting here who has no care, I actually have no care at all how this works out for you. I literally don't care. I want things to go badly for you. No, I'm just kidding. But for, uh, as an objective observer, it's like you're, if we're t- talking about the, I, the identified patient example, your dad's the identified patient, and and everybody else gets to ignore their own problems. It's it's very clear to me that you are doing some of that ignoring too. And your problem is that you've decided that you that this is too complicated for you to just be a daughter. You've got to be more than a daughter here. You've got to be somehow like you know the 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 negotiator, the counselor, the therapist, the ambassador, the peacekeeper, the communication. You don't need to do any of those things. Like you you could just have a relationship with your mom and your dad and say I'm not doing this anymore. But you're right. It's easier said than done. But I think that is our opinion. Hearing it cold, we believe, get out of this situation and just love your parents as fucked up as they are. Yeah. Check, I appreciate the advice. Check back in. Let us know if you end up having lunch with um, your stepmom. I'll say, yeah, if you meet her, we want to hear <laughs> My about My 26-year-old it. stepmom. Woo. Yeah, you guys could, yeah. You could trade Lisa Frank stickers. <laughs> Ooh, you know, maybe maybe the second time I meet her. I don't know, on the first time. Are you going to go to the wedding? I mean, yeah. Like, I, I don't see any valid reason not to. And my dad has already said, like, they're not going to do a big ceremony or anything like that. But it would mean the world to have his children there. When and, is it? Um, So she is supposed to be here at the end of May. So they were targeting the second week in June. Should we go, Mosh? We would love to come. (laughs) That would be truly amazing. But will you? I would just love to have you guys there for emotional support. Maybe we should. But barring that. Wait, where do you live? Cleveland? Oh, we're not coming. Yeah. No, my, we live. I'm from Chicago. I live in Cincinnati, but my, my dad lives in Chicago. And the wedding's in Chicago? Oh, we we will yeah. be there in May. We might be there. Listen, <laughs> keep in touch with our producer. It, barring us coming to the wedding, we definitely want to talk to you the week after that wedding and find out how it went. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for the advice. And hey, Moshe, congrats on crowd surfing. Oh, thank you very much. Um, it's quite an album, isn't it? I appreciate it? you guys. Love you guys very much. Favorite comedians. And thanks for the advice. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. Bye. It's a hard one. Well, it was reminding me of my childhood, but I also didn't want to like start unloading about my issues. You should have. But I think that it re- it sucks when something like that happens when you're older. Because when you're young, you don't have words. Like, I feel like I remember being young and my mom crying and everyone crying and having a distinct feeling that I had to never cry. Right. So she's kind of having that, but now she's like in her 20s. Well, totally. But like, at least then it was just I was five and it was instinctual. But you, what, you, what you said was spot on. The, that girl is 22 years old and, and definitely is more mature than most 22-year-olds that we've talked to. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to the 22-year-olds we've talked to. She carries herself a much older, which is probably going to pay dividends in her rest of her life, but it's 100% uh, the, the psychological shrapnel that she's received from growing up in this family where everybody's a fucking child. Mm-hmm. Her dad's dating a child. Her mom's like, if you loved me, you wouldn't talk to my man no more. <laughs> And, and then her dad told her that she couldn't tell her mom that he was cheating on her. All insane. And her brother's and her brother is like, you know, uh, well, don't tell anybody we're getting divorced. All these secrets, all these gross. But she secrets. seems like pretty. And then she said she's in a good relationship. 
I'm saying she's the she adult did. in the family. Yeah. And she can't let go of that role. Sometimes the adult in the family is like, not only do I have to be the adult in the family, I have to parent my parents. And that is not your job to parent your parents. I they hear can parent them, themselves. And if they can't, you know, it's hard enough to be alive. You don't need to be taking care of other people. The thing she said about her dad is lonely, that's it's starting to ma- make 90 Day Fiance make sense because we've seen so many of those. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I'm always like, what are they thinking? But it's like people are lonely, and if it makes them happy, some people eat food. Well, that's the real... If you un- want to chase love, even though it's like you're paying for it. That's the real uncomfortable part of a situation like a 65-year-old finding a girl in the Philippines who's 26. Uh, it's who's o- pressing him for marriage. It's ooky, and it makes you uncomfortable, and it's kind of gross. But it, on the other hand, you're kind of like, well, that's a 65-year-old man and a grown woman, too. And they can make their own fucked up choices. And it's not, well, who the fuck? I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what they both need. It seems like it's what they both want right now. So if you're listening, sir, could you just send us some the, the video that captured your heart? And in the meantime, let's play some secrets. All right, let's listen to some secrets. Hi, Natasha and Moshe. Um, my secret is that when I was in middle school, I started getting navel lint, as you do. Uh, so I found it fascinating and collected it in a mason jar. Uh, I did that for several years, and then a woman I was dating found it and Ugh. made me throw it away because Ugh. it's weird and gross. Uh, so I did. Then we later broke up, uh, and I started collecting it again. <laughs> and the woman I'm dating now found it, and she thinks it's funny. So I guess that means she's the one. <laughs> I mean, there was... Wait, I, I've never had lint in my navel. Oh, no? No. Interesting. Lint? Yeah, it's a thing. From what? I don't know. Life. Life be like that. If you shower every morning... By the it afternoon, collects you get the lint. <laughs> I mean, I lint think that might be a man thing. Lint it, doesn't come from uh, like being dirty. It's like from your clothes or something, or just being weary. I don't know. I have a new deal breaker. Lint, a lint in a mason jar. Yeah. By the way, how big of a hipster is this guy? <laughs> yeah, you thought you were a hipster drinking your uh, your uh, Moscow Mule out of a mason jar. This guy's got. 17 years of navel lint. Navel gazing. (laughs) (laughs) He's navel grazing. I mean, gross, dude. But also, it's very funny that he, the instinct he had to go back to it. (laughs) Because, like, listen, I kind of relate to the idea of, like, having a weird, gross habit. Daily, you're opening up a mason jar? Not that specific thing, but just, like, you know, you're young, and so you just have a habit, and you just do it. And then somebody comes along and says, like, don't do that and you go like oh yeah sorry and you didn't even realize it was gross or or weird you know but then you do it again but then the idea that she leaves your life and you're just like you know what fuck her i'm i'm going back you go down to get another mason jar i wonder if he had the cleaned out the mason jar was drinking drinks out of it and then was like hello old friend and i don't know but i hope that he's young because he needs to channel that energy which is very good energy it's very disciplined how much energy does it take it's cute it's it takes dedication gross. it's gr- what? every day to take that and put it in your closet in a jar there are all every the, day there are all those weird people out there that collect like bizarre things like like my friend comedian hilarious comedian brent weinbach he has oh uh, my god he has a collection he has uh, yeah he has every movie st- ticket stub he's ever been to ever 
I don't know why, right? So it's, it seems where like does he keep them? I don't know. In a box, in a mason jar, in that guy's belly button. Who knows? That was so gross. Ew! Do you have some? I was looking, but no. Oh, because you guys have like hair around your belly button. And, and I would say I have a maybe a, a deeper belly button than you. Yeah. Because ours goes straight to our dick. You know that, right? <laughs> it's a t- it's a tube. Your dick is a tube from the head of your penis. You up. are so lucky you didn't do that because I would not have married you. No, but that. Okay, Natasha, <laughs> I, I don't like it when people reject science. So listen to what I'm saying. Your penis, the head, it's a tube from the head of your penis all the way up, up through your abdomen, and then out, the port out is your belly button. And the way you make cum is that you collect, uh, you collect the cum from the atmosphere, and the stuff that isn't cum is filtered into your belly button. That's what becomes belly button lint. And the rest gets deposited into a mason jar, which is your uh, your uh, your nads, your gonad sack. But there's a mason jar inside your body that collects the nut until you're ready to splooge. So welcome back to Science <laughs> Hour at the Endless Honeymoon Podcast. Let's hear another secret. Hey, guys. So my secret is um, whenever, whenever I'm having a bad day or feeling extra sassy, um, I like to get on Instagram and Facebook and go to, like, Donald Trump or Don Jr. or Ivanka Trump's profiles, and I go through their pictures and find people who are commenting, like, wonderful things about them and basically troll them and say horrible things to them. And, you know, if they're, if they're like, Mexican people and they're uh, supporting Trump, I'm always like, you know, Trump's trying to deport you, right? And you guys are fucking stupid. And, you know, I know I'm supposed to be this, like, liberal and be above that and be like Michelle Obama and be like, you know, when they go low, we go high. But um, I just feel so good after I do it. And it gives me immense pleasure to let them know how stupid they are. And um, I don't lose any sleep over it. So thanks. Love the podcast. Bye. You know, this whole time I was listening to this, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to say – I, I had this whole thing on mic drop I was about to do, which is uh, not much of a mic drop, but I was about to be like, see, the problem with trolling people is that you're just wasting your own energy burning with resentment. It's like you know the old saying, like drink, having resentment is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. And I was like, you just got to get that toxic energy out of your life because it'll destroy you. And then at the end, she's like, and I just get so much lightness <laughs> and pure pleasure out of it. I, I, I don't, it seems like a waste of, of a life. What do you think? I think it's funny. You're in? Well, that's a funny way to find people to troll. <laughs> just random. Poor well, she's random finding people. people. <laughs> what's the point? She's trolling them because they love Trump. But what's the point of it? It does no it does no good in the world. They're not no one's ever It makes ever, her happy. That is true. And that is the part the one part I was like kind of unbelievable. But then you have to imagine that same person who's going to um I don't know AOC's Instagram and people are like right on and there's somebody just like you that's the thing to think about that's true there's a mirror image of you out there that's going to like okay pe- I take it back people go to like Oprah's <laughs> Instagram like okay Oprah <laughs> I love what you had to say and they're just going like die bitch I hope you die lonely you fucking whore and then they just go like that felt fucking great I'm getting back to my day okay I agree with you now you're I, back on my team I think that yeah maybe don't do it what's but the point of injecting more poison into the world yeah but what, then again, who cares, I guess? Everything, nothing matters, really. Nothing objectively matters. You know, the ice caps are melting. We're all going to die. What does it matter if you troll some random guy that works at a Quiznos in Orlando and go, 
What do you think? I was just thinking we should start keeping all the stuff from like 2020. Why? Because <laughs> it's going to go down in history. As what? <laughs> As when things were officially bad. Oh, but they might talk about how this that was the year the Endless Honeymoon podcast started. 2020? 2019, I guess. Let's play another secret. Hi, Moshe and Natasha. Um, I'm a huge fan, and here's my secret. So I moved to California, and I've been having threesomes with this couple since I moved. We've had threes. But every time, I'm not really into the guy at all. Like, he's very generous and cool, but I'm just not that attracted to him. But his wife, on the other hand, I'm very into. So in my head, I like to just ignore the fact that he's there. And then at one point, at the last one, I thought he was in the bathroom. So it was just me and his wife hooking up. And then I saw the, the corner of my eye that he was also on the bed. And then I just pretended he wasn't there and kept looking up with his wife because I'm not really interested in him. So that's my secret. Um, thanks for the podcast, guys. So her secret wasn't that she was having the threesome. It's that that one moment she pretended. No, it's that she's engaged in a threesome situation with a couple, one of whom she is not attracted to. Well, so in a threesome, because I haven't had one. Okay. You, how much like can she just fuck the woman? Like, isn't the man allowed to just like be like jerking off in this, or does he like always have to be touching you? The man is technically and legally allowed to <laughs> do anything he wants with either of the women in a threesome at any but given I point. I mean, like, what's the vibe? Like, can the man just like look and jerk off for a while? I mean, I honestly, I think most threesome situations because it's so awkward inherently to have more than two people in a sexual situation. Most ongoing threesome situations, they probably kind of like have either spoken or unspoken kind of like rules or roles so i bet some threesome situations i've never been in one like this or where the man doesn't touch anybody and he's his prize is that he gets to watch his wife and a hot girl hook up and he can like jerk it in the corner and then another situation the guy's fucking both girls and they're both fucking him and like while she's trying to like but her get into this woman he could be like fucking her in the ass or something I mean, if she was into that. That sounds annoying. Uh, annoying? <laughs> <laughs> That's the word I'd use, too. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, she just like she's trying to have this, like, hot sex, and then there's just this man hovering around. Well, the, the weird part is, like, if that's what you want, why don't you just find another chick that's hot? And she's just, really into this woman. Just, yeah, but start fucking some girl that doesn't have a guy that's always hanging out. But then again, you know, to my mind, it's like, if you got approached by two ugly people and they were like we want to have a threesome that equals one and a half hot people you know what i'm saying threesome with two uggos is an equivalent to hooking up with one super hotto is that true oh yeah for sure definitely threesomes over a threesome is above hooking up with a hot chick absolutely yeah now if you threesome with two hot chicks now you're in a four zone now you're actually hooking up with 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 four hot people no yeah, four people, four rate, four average people, four sixes. I would think about that. But yeah. So you're saying in general you would always prefer a threesome? You know, there's a night. There was a night long Is ago. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying like on the like excitement, like woo level that a threesome is inherently exciting. So if it's like a threesome with two people you're not that attracted to, you're like, well, it's a threesome. I think peop- men might not agree with you. Men might not agree with me? <laughs> okay, you might be right. I'll tell you about a night. That, that doesn't seem like... I'll tell you like, about a night. Yeah. 
one night long ago, I was at a, I did a comedy club, and these two girls came up to me and were like, um, "We want to hang out later." And I was like, "Oh, Mamma Mia!" And then this like really hot like fifty five year old woman, like it was like a really rich town where I was doing stand up, uh, left her number with the uh, door guy, and I was like, "What a dilemma, threesome or gilf?" Like, mm, these uh, these two What'd fantasies. I pick I picked poorly. I threesome. picked a threesome, and guess what happened? What? Was not a threesome. One of the chicks was just like, no, I'm not into it, and like went and smoked on the balcony. But a threesome Well, I got an awkward hand job. But a threesome for you with two girls is different than, well. Than what? I'm just wondering. I bet threesomes have, must have dynamics. Of course. Because this one seems like, the one that called in seems like it's not about the guy, Right. It's no, the for girl. Her, she's not even into that. No, guy. I just. She's not into the guy. The guy and the girl think this is hot. We both get to have threesomes. She's like, right. this is hot. I get to hook up with that chick right there. And this, but this. The, the truth is that woman's not going to leave her husband, and that guy's no. always going to be like rubbing your butt when you're trying to hook up with yep. his wife. So if you don't so like, so you it, might as well get out of it now. Get out of it now, or or get into uh, just accept it. Like I said, you know, it's a, at least it's a threesome. And you know the old saying, if you want to run a farm, you got to slop some hogs once in a while. So that guy's the hog you're slopping right now. Good right. luck. So I have a secret for you guys. Um, literally no one knows this. And no one will ever know this. Sometimes when my boyfriend's not home, I, you know, masturbate, watch porn like normal people do. Um... It's a girl on girl porn, which I don't know if that's weird or not for being a heterosexual, but last night I was curious if there was such porn of, God, I can't believe I could say this, um, with dogs. <laughs> it's really fucked up, but apparently there is porn where dogs do weird shit to chicks and chicks do weird shit to dogs and I watched it and it was fucked up and yeah if you're ever curious just type in girls girl on dog <laughs> see some fucked up shit love the podcast I am so sorry that you looked that up I mean that just sounds like a really terrible thing to have in your head well, yeah, but also, I mean, the narrative of it was very funny where she was, <laughs> I mean, if you follow the track of the story, she's like, my husband's not home, I'm looking at porn, I'm jerking off, I'm getting hornier and hornier, and then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden I started to become curious. It's like, no, motherfucker, you were not curious. Why is there so much animal abuse on this podcast, by the way? Are that many people's <laughs> secrets related to animal abuse? It's so weird. But yes, maybe thank you. maybe people that's that's a I mean, they're not really our equals, so they're easy to abuse. Well, thank you for letting us know. I was aware that there was bestiality porn on the internet. <laughs> but I think she it's puppy dog porn, maybe in particular. I mean the problem with I mean, oh have you ever seen the Mr. Hands video? No. That's a bad video. I don't even know if I should talk about it. I don't think you should. They made a documentary about it. 
basically there was a guy we could talk we, i'll talk about it we'll cut it out if, it, if we don't like it but there was a guy uh there's a video of a guy in england and he's like i don't know what kind of th- like down the rabbit hole sexuality shit it is but they're like into fucking horses or rather getting fucked by horses i should say and there's a particular video where this guy's getting banged by a horse and there's like two guides there's two like horse cock guides like men who are like guiding the penis you know and for some crazy reason and the so guy other people you have a compli- like you have accomplices to get this done yeah it's like a you community. can't just do it yourself well no because a horse is like you know well anyway for some weird reason the guides kind of like let go for a second and i don't know what happened maybe the cops were there so i don't know they just you see their hands kind of let go and the horse kind of like you know he's horny so he kind of goes for it and it's it's it goes it's a horse fucking a guy's ass Yeah, and it goes hard and then anyway the punchline of the story is the guy died oh really yeah I think Jim Norton has a like a full you can a, die from this. getting fucked by a horse well in my experience no in my experience you live every time you know I mean in I my do, experience the yeah you survive it <laughs> from my personal experience at least at least acknowledge that I'm making a joke here. I hear you. No, I was just thinking <laughs> the real question. Yeah. No. You the real question. The is, real question is is she going to do it again? Right. Now that's a great question. The first time it's curiosity, the second time you're into it. Hey, but we've all had that experience, haven't we? I had a bit about it in my act when you're looking at porn and they have those pop-ups, you know? And you're like having fun and jerking off. It's like how animalistic you can get when you get horny. You're jerking off and all of a sudden something pops up and you're like, oh, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> and then you kind of look a little bit longer and a little longer. And you're like, yeah, fuck it. Maybe just this one time. That's funny. Anyway. Um, I, I acknowledged your joke. Thank you, my dear. By the way, <laughs> well, it's a better joke if you can see the visual of it because I kind of. Anyway, listen, I'm not going to do the act out uh, in words. But I will say to the woman looking at bestiality porn, there are some uh, consent and weird legal p- issues with bestiality porn so, so maybe don't do it maybe look somewhere else next time yeah so we play one more to cleanse the palate <laughs> thank you for sharing though no thank you for sharing hey guys so my secret is that one time i was super super drunk with a boy and um i really had a piss so i decided to go into the closest thing next to me which was a arizona can um and then, I guess in the middle of the night, he decided to lean over and drink it. Um, yep. And then the next morning, he leaned over and was like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think, like, your cats must have pissed in the Arizona can because it tastes like pee. Um, and I never told him. And I just played it off. And I was like, hmm, that's really weird. Um, so, yeah. Uh, also, my boss listened to this podcast. So he's definitely going to know this is me. Um, thanks. Bye. <laughs> By the way, you definitely did the right thing. hundred percent. You should never be like, oh, um, uh, actually, I need, there's something I need to talk to you about. Um, also amazing. I actually pissed in the can. It was my piss. Also amazing that the guy gave him such a nice out. He's yeah. like, I think your cat must have pissed. It's like, no, definitely that didn't happen. There's no cats like hovering their urethra like above an incredibly small opening. That guy. I think lies like that are okay. You don't though, Mosh. I do too. You always say that no lying. I say no lying in that situation. If the a lover drank my piss out of an Arizona can, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, yeah, that cat, that darn cat. <laughs> Let's do another call. Hey, 
Now we're going to call Izette and Teresa in San Francisco. Is that? Hello? Hello, is this Izette and Teresa? Yeah. Are we Hi. saying that right? Hello, is that? Is that? Yep, that's that's how you pronounce is that. Oh, you can call me Els for sure. Els. Are you French? Uh, Turkish. Turkish. All right. I've been to Turkey. Cool. Yeah. I was in Istanbul, but you know, that's where everybody goes. So it's not a great it's not a great story, but I did once watch um, the movie Rush Hour 2 in an Istanbul movie theater where there was no one oh. else in the theater, and they started the movie when we sat down. They were like, they yelled, okay, do you want to start the movie? And we were like, yeah, and then we watched it with nobody else there. So you went to Istanbul, and then you went to a movie theater? That's the only thing we did. We came out, we watched Rush <laughs> Hour 2, and then we flew directly back home. Uh, it was a really wonderful that was, trip. Uh, that was a great plan. It was a beautiful trip. <laughs> so, Zet, what's going on with you? What's up? Um, so, me and Teresa are expecting our first baby in three months. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And, um, and we cannot decide on names. Oh, amazing. Because I have a couple of pitches for you. Nice. Uh, I think you We're should... also. This is Teresa. We're Hi. also offering. Um, if you want to sponsor our baby's college education, we're offering naming rights. Well, too, so I, I wasn't gonna put that out there. I wasn't gonna pitch from our from our personal um, life, but I two names I really like are Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker from the Rush Hour films. <laughs> Uh, do you want us to pick one, or can we just combine them? Oh, uh, you could call the baby J- Jackie, Jackie, Ch- Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker, or Tucker Chan. Tucker Chan's kind of <laughs> nice. How about Claudius? Claudius, but then there's weird. Oh. Then there's weird spillover from Istanbul being the seat of the Roman Empire, right? There's all that kind of weird stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what's yeah. a good name? Uh, Pilar. Pilar. Wait, is it a boy or a girl? Oh, yeah, it's a boy. It's a boy. So oh. Pilar's a girl's name. Chauncey? Chauncey! <laughs> Great idea. <laughs> we were kind of hoping to use something that might kind of honor both of our cultural heritages, too. But okay. So what are the top three? Yeah, yeah, so what do you... What, what is there something specific that you wanted to ask us, or do you just want us to keep riffing on names? <laughs> Well, we thought we could use your help in part because um, Izette was raised Jewish and I was raised Christian. And so I, I imagine the two of you might have also navigated some cultural discussions when naming your own child. Yeah, you could. Um, you could. Did you convert? No. <laughs> so you could. I did not. You could name the child um, tra- Traitor? Traitor. Or. Um, <laughs> Or, uh, um, uh, let's see, um, no, uh, okay. I, I know what they need to do. Oh, what do you, what do you think? I think, do you have any names that you're deciding from or no? Not that are on a really uniform, okay. cohesive list between the two of us. But so well, what we do like, yeah, we, we like one name. We like Miles. Miles. Okay. But- Not really Jewish or Christian at all, but we like that name. Okay. I, I know what you need to do. Cause it's what I did. 
I got okay. a book called Hebrew Baby Names. So you have to find like <clears throat> Turkish baby names. And I looked through the entire book and found the one that I was okay with. <laughs> and we named our child it. Wait, I'm curious though. That is a good suggestion. Do you... Um, because it was... In, can I just say what it oh, had sorry. that I liked? It, it was easy to say. It wasn't like a name that people always had to like, you know, 100% of the time you'd have to always repeat the name. You right. know, like Moshe yeah, was... That's important to us too. Moshe, yeah, was pitching, not- Moshe was pitching this name Tikva. You know, and I was like, every single time, like 100% of the time, the child's going to have to be like, Tikva, Tikva, Tuk, you know what I mean? Like, have to repeat it back and forth. And like, I had a name, Moshe has a name like that where people mispronounce it, but he doesn't care. Whereas like, I have a name that's unique, but no one ever mispronounces it. And that's what I wanted for my child. And I also liked the heritage idea. Yeah, and, and traditionally, uh, like, our our names come from our grandparents um so my my father's name is kind of a related to albert or abram um so i'm trying to stick to something like that maybe al but well she's not a fan of baby al does your dad have a middle name I, i love the idea that you come all the way from turkey this like this man with this you know right on the the seat of the the Orient and Europe, and you bring all these thousands of years of cultural history and heritage with you, marry this American girl, and she's like, what, if anything, could we name our child that will honor that tradition? You go, Al. Well, I, Al. I, I, How about I Al? Al. <laughs> I used to watch a lot of Al Bundy when I was growing up. Oh, Al, oh, Al no, Bundy, Al. sure. <laughs> I have and a... that's why I said we couldn't name him Al because of that cultural reference. Okay, wait. But... Now, now I have a suggestion. What is so your father? Usually, you name them after the father. And what is your father's actual name? Uh, his name is uh, Alper, so A L P E R. Alper. That's name. And and what does it mm-hmm. it means? It means Abraham. What what does it mean? Well, the, the tradition is like there is the, you have the Jewish name, and then you find kind of a Turkish sounding name similar to that. Uh-huh. And does he have a middle name? That has been going on. Ah, uh, no. And okay. then what's his father's name? Um, is that same name as mine? Oh, okay, boy. here we go. No, here we go. I got it. I got it. I think I figured out what you need to do here. Alper, um, I just looked it up. Alper meaning. It's a masculine Turkish name. It means, uh, you know, stout-hearted, brave, chivalrous, daredevil, or valorous. Does that sound right to you? <laughs> um, yep, definitely. So, so here's what you should do. Uh, you guys go through all of the um, the non-Turkish names since Alper is not what you're going to land on. Even though, by the way, I think Alper is a pretty... Alper is a cool fucking name. Fucking cool name. Also, I, Val is a cool name. Alper is cool. But anyway... Alper is cool. We, we, uh, but yeah, we'll have to repeat think, it a lot. Yeah, I think people <laughs> will butcher the name. That's And I don't want that to happen. Okay, so so all you do is you look up all the names in the world. You know, just Google it. Uh, that names meaning valor. I'm looking it up right now. Brave or valor, and then and valor is a cool name. Look at all these names. You got Alberardo, Abir, <laughs> Adira, Alia, Alimos, Alaric, Alsi. I mean, there's so 160. I'm looking at an article. 168 ne- names that mean strong, brave, or powerful. And I, so I just valor. Think, I think that's a very specific. 
Oh, why do you name your baby Valor? That's what I was saying. That's good. And then you can call him Val. And you can say it's because that's what El Per means. Yeah. I love that. Valor. Why do people think that it's after like Walt Kilmer or something? No, don't call him Val. Call him. You you watch too many. You talking shit to me for watching a movie in, in Istanbul? But it still doesn't your... pass the test of not having to be repeated all the time. Valor? That's a pretty. That's a. That's a. But I want to talk about Val how he roasted me for watching Rush Hour in Istanbul, and the only references he have are from American television and film. You, you, you conditioned me now. <laughs> um, by the way, when we were in Istanbul, now that I know you're Jewish, I'll tell you the real experience I had in Istanbul, which was that my idiot brother, who's a rabbi, and for some stupid reason he decided he would just like walk around uh, the streets of Istanbul with his yarmulke on the whole time. I would say people were not, I would call them not into it. Did in they the, throw vegetables at you? No, but one man pointed at his yarmulke, like he did a pantomime. It was kind of funny, anti-Semitism. He pointed <laughs> at his own head where the yarmulke would be, looked at my brother, and gave him a no shit, like his index finger shaking no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, it's like an old... Uh, Remind um, me not to go to Istanbul with your brother. Or just to tell David to put a, a hat on. Anyway, uh, I, we really like Valor. That is our primary pitch. And that was Natasha's idea. V-A-L-O-U-R. But it's, that's a very risky one. I think that's And dope. you kind of have to go with Val. And But I'm, I'm looking at these names. Look, Bia, Brian, Brianna... There's so Brianna, many. you should definitely name him Brianna. <laughs> but I do think also like naming someone something like that's a unique word is a really cool thing right now, you know, because it's like there's so many of everybody. Drew, Emmerich, there's so many names that mean brave. So that's how you can honor. I think that's how you can honor. Okay, here's how it's spelled. It's V-A-L-O-U-R. Our producer saying you could also call him Lou because that's say? L-O-U. <laughs> Is in there as well. Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's a much nickname. I like that. Lou's oh, I love it. And then, then that's the thing about our child. I won't, don't want to say her name because I don't want anyone to copy me. But like, I tried to give her a name that if she wanted to be like a stripper, it would be a good name. But then she could also change it with her middle name and then like another name to like if she wanted to be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, well, here's a nice one that means brave. I just found Narv. <laughs> Narv. <laughs> no, that's not good. No, that's a terrible name. I'm kidding. Oz. Oz is a Hebrew name meaning powerful and courageous. There's so many good ones. Just look up names that mean brave, but really... And, and, and really tell... And also be able to tell your father that it's inspired... If you don't go with Alper, well, let me tell say, him it's inspired by him. Yes, tell him that. But let me also say... I, I'm going to give one last pitch for Valor. Here's the thing. There's, you, there's so... And this is why I wasn't afraid of a unique name for my kid. There, it's so, so many people are so profoundly boring. And I'm sure your child won't be, but like having a unique name almost guarantees that you won't be boring. If, That's true. If it, if it, if for nothing. Maybe no, it's good to repeat yourself. No valor. Like having, um, like being yeah, courageous. courageous and brave. <laughs> and he'll have to live up to <laughs> and his. And he'll have to say that all the time. He'll have to live up to his own namesake. By having to, by having to stick up for himself and say no, it's not Valour, it's Valor. Call me by my name. My favorite movie of 2017. <laughs> okay, well, let us know what you decide on. Good luck. Oh, will do. And Thank Mazel you. Tov, congratulations. Yes, it's going to be Thank great. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye bye. Much. Now that was a sweet little call. 
They were cute. And but you know, I, I do think it's nice to involve any heritage that, ch- that the child has. Uh, and also, we just gave them a fucking unbelievable pitch. It's a English translation that actually creates an amazing name. Mm-hmm. Valor. By the way, Al Pair would have been awesome. But, but Valor, Al Pair is a little Valor's like... Valor's a dope name. I'm straight up can't believe they didn't just go, oh my God, that was great. <laughs> We are on board, but then I realized... Well, maybe they, we they should w- have another kid, Moshe. We can name it Valor. Oh, uh, and then call them and be like, how about now, <laughs> motherfucker? No, I could tell... The reason they didn't is because he was like, how about Al? He's like, no, Valor. That's a good-ass name. But you know what they had, which hmm. made me happy? What? I could tell they loved each other. Yeah. Because they're... I like when people's fights are like very fun <laughs> yeah or like you know it's like they're 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 in a really good relationship but they're like bickering about something but we had it all tonight you know we had um you know i don't know i can't tell honey um i can't tell if i love you the way um whatever that guy's name was and Teresa love <laughs> each other or the way that woman's dad and his 26 year old manilan <laughs> bride love each other i just know one thing what I love you. I love you too.